Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. The premier HVAC company in the Midlands is growing. Are you a top HVAC technician? AAA Heating and Air is looking for dedicated applicants to fill their fast-growing service department with top-notch HVAC technicians. If you're the best, then they want you. If you're ready to stop working and start a career, you can earn up to 100000 plus a year at AAA Heating and Air. Quality candidates will have at least two years' experience and a good driving record. Benefits include top industry salaries, commission on service and unit sales, set call limits, company-provided take-home vehicle and gas card, company-provided cell phone and tablet, health, dental, and vision benefits, 401k retirement plan with company match and scaled PTO based on length of service. Contact Roy and Dana Finley at 803-677-1500 or check out their job postings on Facebook or ZipRecruiter. Triple A air when you need us. Triple A heating and air. The Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen, with Chris Clark. The 2007 South Carolina class was, at that time, sixth in the country and fourth in the SEC. It's just amazing. West Mitchell. You know, I think if you're South Carolina, you're you're aiming to, to at least be at 50%. Then, in theory, you're adding talent, you're getting better, you're putting yourself in a position to compete. And Tyler Head. It's been a great week for South Carolina. On the recruiting front, still certainly plenty to talk about. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. And welcome in to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on 107.5 The Game. 
Tyler West and Chris broadcasting live from Firehouse Subs out in Newberry, 1214 Wilson Road. And if you're used to listening to 107.5 The Game on Tuesdays, usually we have the Garnet Trust Hour from 10 to 11. Change things up a little bit this week due to some scheduling things. Uh, we are going to be hearing from Jalen Nichols on this week's edition, but that is actually going to be played tomorrow from 10 until 11. He wasn't he wasn't going to be able to join us out here in Firehouse Subs, so we did move that to, to tomorrow, but Chris, you did speak with him yesterday, and a lot of exciting things you can get to talk to him about tomorrow. Yeah, it was a really interesting conversation, so sat down with Jalen uh, yesterday at the station, and got to pre-record an interview with them that we'll be playing tomorrow for a special edition for the Garnet Trust Hour. So yeah, tomorrow at 10 a.m. here on 107.5, like you mentioned, Tyler. Interesting conversation because it, it was definitely uh, the longest I've ever sat down and, and talked with Jalen for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, he's a more quiet, reserved guy. Wes and I were kind of reminiscing a little bit yesterday on his um, on his recruitment because he was even then pretty quiet, you know, didn't do a ton of interviews. Um, said he had done a little bit of radio before, actually, one or two radio interviews, I think, even back in high school. But uh, it was a good conversation. I think a lot of really good insight into, you know, just kind of looking back on his recruiting process, looking forward to this season, um, and then talking a little bit about the process of, you know, getting injured in the spring game and trying to come back from that and what may be in the future. So good conversation with Jalen. I'm looking forward to everybody hearing that tomorrow. And again, that'll be coming up tomorrow from 10 to 11 uh, for the special edition of the Garnet Trust Hour there. The thing I remember about Jalen is I uh, believe he had a 30 or 31-inch vertical out of high school, Yeah. which there was a time where I was like, okay, what does that even mean? But that for, for offensive linemen and a guy that big, is a uh, a huge sign of just explosiveness. Like, can you you generate so much force to get that much weight off the ground? A 30, 31 inch vertical for a guy that big is absolutely insane. And there was a lot of people. So South Carolina, Eric Wolford had him committed as an offensive lineman. And I remember schools trying to come in um, either when he was committed or a heavy Carolina lean. Schools started telling them, hey, you can come play defensive line for us. You can come play defensive tackle. And there was a little bit of, I don't, wanna, I don't know if concern is the word, but there's a little bit of like, all right, do we, you know, do we need to be worried about this at South Carolina because it was a different little opportunity, a different little spin on the recruiting pitch. So super, I don't know if he gets the credit for being the super athlete that he uh, truly is for his yeah, size. He kind of talked about the defensive line, his background there. Uh, whether or not he thinks he could still play it or could have played it in college. Um, he goes into that a little bit. And, and all, another really cool topic we talked about is I'd kind of forgotten he played a lot as a true freshman mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of the year, which I'd kind of forgotten about. So he had some really interesting thoughts on that as well. I won't I won't spoil them. you got to tune in and listen. And mentioning that injury that he's just suffered in the spring game, and we obviously learned a few weeks back that he's going to be out for a significant period of time once the season does get started, and that's such a big X factor with deciding what yeah. South Carolina is going to do on the offensive line. Obviously, he brought some guys in from the transfer portal, but you know, still some question marks about what that exactly is going to look like when the season starts. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm inclined to think, um, you know, just with Nichols' timeline, if you're being realistic and if you're playing it kind of conservative, which you probably should with a knee injury of, of that magnitude, I don't think you can count on him 
this season. Um, is it possible? In theory, it's possible. It's not likely. And, th- and there's never a consensus with an injury like that. Sure. You can't ever say, well, a guy will definitely be ready at this time or that time. You can give targets, and even you know, varying opinions may have uh, different timelines on that. But it does change the equation a lot because I know we've talked about this a lot before. Last season, South Carolina kind of found the formula down the stretch with moving Jalen Nichols out to left tackle, moving uh, Ja'Kai Moore to left guard. That was the combo they went with starting in the Florida game. Obviously, it didn't work in that game. Nothing worked in that game. But down the stretch, that's what they went with. And that's what they were going projected to go into this season with. You know, you, you lost three offensive linemen that had played a lot of football for you, especially Javon Gwen and Eric Douglas in the middle. But that was kind of a stabilizing force of knowing, okay, this is what our left side is going to look like. Now that you don't have that, you got to figure some things out there with, you know, who, who's your starting five for sure. You know, Rashawn Lee, Nick Gargiulo, what you wanted to do with them, maybe that changes. Who's your sixth man? Who's your seventh man? It just changes a lot for you on the O-line. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a massive loss for them because – you kind of had six guys for five spots. I feel like that you felt pretty good about, and that you know that that sort of gave you a little bit of an insurance policy because you knew that th- there's going to be injuries on the offensive line. There always is, so that kind of gave you all right. This is our sixth guy. There are different ways you could have slotted the the various guys to get. Let, let's say Vershawn Lee was your next guy up. There were different ways that whoever went down. Lee would have been the next guy in the game, I, I think. Whereas now you're starting off, you, you've already kind of ticked away at your depth. So, you know, I, I think that's that's an, an issue for this team, for me, at least on paper, that they're going to have to solve going into the year. If you had that extra, you know, you had that sixth guy, then I, I feel like you probably felt like you had some time to bring along your seventh. Then you're looking at bringing along your eighth guy. Whereas now uh, I think that is is – Huge that they go ahead. You know, is that a is that a case in Henry? You know, is being kind of next man up. Is that Sidney Fugar? Is that Marquis Anderson? Um, you know, we know Marquis is going to play. I got it. You know, who, who's the starting left tackle? Is it Jakai Moore? Um, you know, we we asked Beamer during the Welcome Home tour. You know, about left tackle, and he. He sort of said, hey, it's a competition. He didn't say, hey, it's Ja'Kai Moore. He said it's a competition. So, you know, that, that kind of caught my attention. But I I look at Marquis Anderson, and he is in fantastic shape. And I do think he's an interior guy long term. I think he's a guard. But I do wonder, just looking as athletic as he is and looking at how good of shape as he has gotten himself into, I do wonder, um, does he end up being a factor for South Carolina at tackle, a position we saw him play in the spring game? You'll, you'll hear this from Jalen DeMar in more detail, but he is very high on Marky Anderson. Just, I can't I think he said he's a dude, you know, or some, some form of that. But, I mean, you look at that guy, again, he does not look like a freshman. I mean, th- this, this is a broader point, but Trovon Ball... Tree Babalade, um, Marky Anderson. I mean, the way those guys, Jatavia Shivers, I mean, the way that those guys look, and, and they'll have different roles. I mean, Marquis the guy that's put himself in the best spot, I think, to, to contribute year one, especially being an early enrollee. 
But the way those guys look, th- those guys look like juniors or seniors. I mean, and, and Jalen even mentioned that too. He's like, yeah, th- those aren't those aren't typical freshmen. Well, then add in Cam Pringle and Josiah and Thompson. Next, yeah, you're, yeah. Now you're cooking. Yeah. And how worrisome are these questions on the offensive line, especially when you're talking about not being super confident in what you have with the running back situation either. We've obviously talked about they still haven't addressed a running back one, at least in the transfer portal, where you're going to have to carry on Joyner, you're going to have Mario Anderson, and then Juju McDowell. And and while you don't doubt those guys' ability to be running backs, it's certainly not the full room that you wanted to have going into the season. Now you add in the situation where Jalen Nichols on the offensive line, you have question marks there as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you say it's dire. You know, like you have you have some guys at the O line position. There are some there's gonna be some opportunities for guys to to step up and play. You know, the the newer freshmen. That's kind of what I call the guys who just got there. I I do think it's gonna be kind of tough. Like, do you you can't really expect like Tree Babalade to just come in <laughs> and, and be a, a starting type guy at tackle. Like, I don't think that's and, and that's not even. You know, I think athletically, you look at him, you say that's a future potential starter, but you don't put that expectation on those guys year one. Like that's really just not fair to them. Uh, I feel like so. I I don't want to. I don't want to say it's dire. It's not something that you're just like, oh, they're you know they have no shot on the O line. But I, I think if you're being realistic, if you're being fair to the fans, you know, listening. I, I think that's something that you got to have in the back of your mind as being a question mark at the very least. I, uh, you know, I, I think if you have if you have a dynamic running back who can make things happen, it can erase some issues on the offensive line. Vice versa, if you have solid running backs that aren't necessarily dynamic, but you have a really strong offensive front, you can uh, you can get things done. Right now problem with Carolina is you don't necessarily have at least proven right now you can't really say you have either one of those things you're gonna look at this offense and say your strength is Spencer Rattler and then those wide receivers and tight ends but you have to do enough in the running game to keep everybody honest um you know to where you can just let Spencer go throw the football well and the reality is that South Carolina's not gonna have Marshawn Lloyd and this year and and what did we talk about after several games more than one game last year yeah wow it just looks a lot different when Marshawn's in the game because he could he was so dynamic for South Carolina that you know he's making guys miss he's breaking tackles you know we went through some of the metrics last year Marshawn brought you know broke x number of tackles in this game or had x number of yards after contact relative to everyone else there was a big difference so South Carolina's got some solid guys, or they have some guys with a chance to be good who are maybe not as proven in that position. I mean, DJ Braswell, we like. You know, he has a chance to be good. He has a lot of traits. He has a good high school film, but he hasn't taken a snap yet. You right. know, he hasn't taken an actual padded practice snap either as, as a South Carolina Gamecock. So, uh, DeCarion Joyner certainly had a good spring. There's high hopes for him, but, you know, how good can he be, you know, in year one actually on the field as a running back? We just don't know yet. So I think when Beamer's asked this question about the offensive line and running backs and the run game in general, we know that that area has to get better, particularly with Lloyd not in the picture in these questions. And something that he frequently points to is, well, we have to get creative. So, you know, we're going to have to give Xavier Leggett the football, you know, from the wide receiver position. We're going to have to give Juice Wells the football at the wide receiver position, some of these sweep 
plays and things like that. We're going to have to utilize the screen game more to these receivers as an extension of the run game. But Wes is right. I mean, you can't you can't be one dimensional, and so that this is one of th- this team has some known commodities going in to this season if we're looking forward. But there are several questions that they're definitely going to have to get answered, and, and this is one of them. And, and again, that conversation with Jalen Nichols coming up tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. for the Garnet Trust Hour. And uh, we are broadcasting live out here at Firehouse Subs in Newberry, 1214 Wilson Road. Still going to be opening up in just about 15 minutes. So certainly come by and see us and enjoy some delicious Firehouse Subs. Tyler, Wes, and Chris broadcasting until noon. Uh, coming up next, we will talk about that top 25 from Poe Football Focus and where South Carolina falls on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs founded by Firemen with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on 107.5 Game, an extended version of the show as uh, myself, Tyler, Wes, and Chris broadcasting live here at the Firehouse Subs in Newberry, 1214 Wilson Road. Story about to open up here in a couple of minutes, so certainly come by and see us. Gamecock Larry was uh, informing us of some curses on the Gamecock sports program that have been going on since apparently the 1800s. So I learned a little bit of something new this morning and uh, always good to hear from Gamecock. Larry and have them in person out with us out here at uh, Firehouse Subs in Newberry. Uh, I did mention this before we went to the break there, but Pro Football Focus released their top 25 rankings ahead of the 2023 college football season. And, you know, when you talk about these rankings and lists coming up on the season, South Carolina has been hit or miss on being featured in some of these, but Pro Football Focus did put South Carolina in their top 25 slating in at number 22 just behind Washington and just ahead of Mississippi State and uh, Pro Football Focus does a little bit something different with their rankings. They use something called the ELO ranking metric which is a simple system that judges teams based off head-to-head performance and results of individual players and matchups. So that looks upon favorably for South Carolina slating in at number 22. Let me just say that doesn't sound that simple. Like all, all these different metrics and analytics we got now um are hard for me to understand, Chris. But, yeah, I, I mean, you look at a lot of different rankings that have come out, and a lot of them have South have had South Carolina right outside of the top 25. Mm-hmm. So PFF, love them or hate them or indifferent, they do have Carolina at 22, like Tyler said. And, you know, man, I when I, when I was, like, quote, just a fan, like, yeah, I would, like, care about these things. Oh, you know, they, why, are, why are we not? Yeah, disrespect. Yeah. <laughs> now, everybody's got rankings. Doesn't matter at this point. It's something to talk about, you know, which is cool. I love talking season, actually. And, you know, I saw, I think, Phil Still magazine just came out. Like, th- these are good signs because it means football is right around the corner. Um, but I, I think kind of low 20s. Like just inside the 25 or just outside the top 25, that's probably fair. And, you know, the funny thing is, if it, you know, Carolina had a back and forth bowl game with Notre Dame. I bet you if South Carolina had found a way to hang on and win that game, they probably enter this season top 15. Like, and it would be the same team, same everything else, and, uh, and they would enter this season top 15 because we tend to as sports media and fans put a ton 
of emphasis on the bowl game. As it is, Carolina did not win the bowl game. They enter, depending on who you look at, in the low 20s or just above 25. And, um, you know, so according to some metrics, they will start out as a uh, top 25 matchup with North Carolina. Well, and to your point, Notre Dame, uh, South Carolina's bowl opponent, that ended up squeaking that one out. They are number 11 in this same ranking. And... (laughs) What, know, what would they be if it was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, they'd be like, what, 20? Probably swapped. Probably? Yeah, maybe you swap them. Maybe they're 20. But, I mean, Notre Dame last season, what they finish? They finished 9-4, and four, and they finished ranked 18th. Um, does that... I mean, they lose some guys, right? I mean, e- even with what you return off that team, and they had some very notable losses. Michael Mayer, you know, to the NFL. They lost several guys off that team. I don't know if what they did last season is a is a top eleven, but but you know they finished well. I mean they they had the the narrow loss to Southern Cal at the end of the season. They did. Um, hey, they lost to Stanford in the regular season. Lost their offensive coordinator. As they well. lost their offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, to Alabama. Uh, they did beat Syracuse. They did beat uh, Clemson last year. But you know, I, I don't know if that that all adds up to top eleven. We'll see. But that that also illustrates. You just don't have any data. You know, I, I think when you can, you don't have good data. You have some data, but with a, with it being a brand new season, there are so many variables. And especially with, so let's look at a team like South Carolina, and this is even more the case. I think it's going to be more and more difficult to project, especially just based on an eye test. Like if you're using metrics, that can also be difficult because you're plugging in what somebody did somewhere, plugging it into a totally new team and situation. But now in the transfer portal era, it's probably even tougher, right? So for South Carolina, you may be overvaluing or undervaluing some particular aspect of the team. You know, what we were just talking about the running back situation. Well, what do you make of that? You can plug into a computer. They lost Marshawn Lloyd and all these things he did. You can anticipate statistically or even with the eye test, hey, they're not going to be as good running the football this year. Maybe that's right. Maybe it's not. You may say they're going to be terrible running the football this year, and it's not as bad as you think statistically or eyeball test. So I think in the transfer portal era, when you're plugging in new guys uh, onto a team, it can be tough you know, to try to, try to make sense of that, to try to figure that out. So um, I think the, the yelling and the grandstanding about uh, the rankings, we need to wait until maybe, I don't know, a couple games are played um, until we do that. Right now, I think we can look at it, and I can sit here and say, well, I think Notre Dame is probably a little bit too high. South Carolina is about right. Um, another one that stands out to me, Wes, is I'm not really sure on Mississippi State. I mean, first-year coach was Zach Arnett. They lost a bunch of guys to the portal. Not really sure what to make of them being number 23. Maybe that ends up being too high. But it's all just a big we'll see. What do you think about – here's a couple. Texas, number five. So it seems like almost every metric and preseason ranking that we have seen mm-hmm. has Texas being back again. They are back, Chris. They're back? It's official? No, I think I actually think they're they, they do I look. think they're gonna be good this year. You would uh, you would think. Yes. They should be. They should be. They, they should, should be they good. should be really good this year, I think. You know what caught my attention? Like you said, Mississippi State. I don't get it. Top twenty five. I don't get it. And Kentucky nineteen, like that—that that, too high for you. 
probably. Um, but but also, man, I think once you get past, I don't know where the number is. Once you get past top five, six, big, big drop off. Yeah, there, I think there's. I think then you probably. I, I think you could almost have a. What are the top twenty five, thirty teams after that top five? And you could probably throw them, you know, in uh, a bowl and just pull one out and. You could probably pick games that way, and it would be just as accurate as if you picked it by, you know, rankings. Like yeah. this team would beat this team. Like I think if you just put them in a bowl and said go play, any of those teams could probably yeah. beat any of the other teams, and actually probably fairly regularly. Like I think it would be pretty close to being even. I was looking at the FPI, you know, on ESPN to see because Mississippi State like that just jumped off the page. I was like, well. Have I missed the boat on them? Like, are they yeah. are they supposed to be this good? And I just haven't paid attention. FBI has them at thirty two in the country, so that's that's you know not bad, but that is certainly actually in football numbers. I feel like a pretty big jump from being yeah. inside the top twenty five. Um, they have Kentucky at twenty eight. So now that said, they have South Carolina at forty two, which um, you know. That, that's at, that's behind Missouri at 40. And, and I think with the FPI, that could be that could go back to what I was just saying where, you know, I know that that's a formula. And so I like the FPI, actually, in a lot of instances. But that could be a little bit misleading because now you're getting into the, the realm of you're just plugging in Marshawn Lloyd's gone. Jaheim Bell's gone, et cetera, et cetera. And that's very fair. You do have to account for those losses if you're South Carolina because there's some pretty significant ones. But what are you doing to replace it? How is it going to work out? I think that can be a little bit more difficult. Another interesting one, Wes, and you mentioned Joe Milton in a previous segment. I, I would like to, if we got if we have time during the show today, I'd like to talk about Tennessee a little bit next year. Tennessee top ten, number nine. What to make of them? They have some key losses they lose Hendon Hooker. They plug in Joe Milton, who has one of the strongest arms probably we've ever seen. But very intriguing team. Yeah, well, uh, we can actually jump into talking about Tennessee in that next segment. Uh, before we hit the break, though, I want to remind you about our craft beer passport. Just head on over to 1075thegame.com and click on the Sweet Deals tab, and you can purchase yourself a craft beer passport for just $99. It is a $285 value, good at over 15 different locations around the Midlands. Again, check out 1075thegame.com and click on the Sweet Deals tab for your chance to purchase the craft beer passport. Tyler Wes and Chris broadcasting live from Firehouse Subs, 1214 Wilson Road, out in Newberry. Going to be out here till noon. The store just opened up, so be sure to come by and see us. Gamecock Larry is here, too. We'll talk about some Tennessee on the other side. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen, with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head, on your home of the Gamecock, 107.5 The Game. All right, and welcome back in to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on 107.5, the game, an extended version of the takeover hour today as we are all broadcasting live. 
from Firehouse Subs, 1214 Wilson Road out in Newberry. Store just opened up, so be sure to come by and see us. We have station merch. We have tickets for Carowinds. We have a signed Ethan Petrie t-shirt for the first person to come in and ask for it. And I was just informed by Josh during the last commercial break, we have a couple pairs of tickets for the home opener against Furman. Now, he's not just going to give them to you. You must come in to the firehouse subs, and as you enter the door, you have to announce that you're going to do the rooster crow, and then you do it, and then Josh will give you tickets to the home opener. There are ground rules for this. He's not just giving them away for free. You have to meet the criteria to get these home opener tickets. I think that's fair. Very fair. Well worth it. Uh, you do the rooster crow, Josh will give you the tickets. Now, he didn't say you had to do it good. You just have to do it. Give, yeah, it, your you best, make a good attempt. give it your best shot. It so, can't be puny. No, it we'll can't have be puny. We have a judging panel here. Just think about any time you're at a game and you hear the crow literally after every play, it seems yeah. like they do it. Just copy. Do your best impression of that. And I'll tell you, another reason to walk in uh, to this Firehouse Subs, aside from coming in, getting yourself a couple tickets to the home opener if you can do the rooster crow, that smell yes. is a very distinctive smell, actually. Uh, it smells like bacon. I'm picking up a little bit of ranch. A lot of different nose. meats. A lot of different meats. That is the distinctive smell. I know. I just saw it go out. It's, it's right there on the rapid rescue rack. A turkey bacon ranch. Yes. That's it, your favorite, Tyler. It is, and I believe that's sub of the day, this which we'll hit on in, in in a little bit. But, yes, turkey bacon ranch, Tuesday sub of the day. Very exciting. Um, you guys were talking about Tennessee at the end of that last segment as we were discussing the top 25 that Pro Football Focus put out ahead of the season. And Tennessee is such an intriguing story coming away from last season where they had a lot more success than I think a lot of people were expecting. And obviously their chances for the college football playoff came to an end at Williams-Rice Stadium in the penultimate weekend of the season. But a lot of reason for optimism around the Tennessee program heading into 2023. You obviously lose Hendon Hooker, but Joe Milton, we know is a good quarterback and this video making the rounds over the past couple of days of his ridiculous arm strength which i think we already knew about prior to last season but it's kind of come to the forefront once again when you see some of the throws he's been making this offseason they obviously lose jalen hyatt gonna have brew mccoy returning for another year so this is expected to be another good tennessee team that south carolina is gonna have to deal with once again this time going on the road to Neyland this year well they lose so they had Four guys, they had five guys drafted, and their top four guys were all on offense, and they were all really good players. Now, we know Josh Heupel uh, runs a great offensive system, right? But but a, a couple things just I think you bear in mind when you look at this next version of this Tennessee team. You know, Darnell Wright, who's their offensive tackle, former five-star player, he was excellent for them. Hendon Hooker, who was a Heisman you know, a guy who got a lot of Heisman buzz and put up video game numbers during the season. Big losses. Then you look at receiver. So they lose Jalen Hyatt, who obviously had a great year last season. You also lose Cedric Tillman, who I think was probably one of the more underrated players, not only in the conference, but in the country. He was an excellent player. He gave South Carolina the lion's share of the problems that they faced in, in that game last season. They also lose Byron Young, who's a South Carolina native who played on the edge for them. But you lose those guys. You also lose Alex Golesh, who was their offensive coordinator last year. And some people may say, oh, well, you know, it's Hypel's system. It is, but Golesh, a lot of people in the coaching industry, a lot of people in college football 
really think that he helped take that offense to the next level because he brought some of the run game concepts from his time at Iowa State, kind of merged them. Now, Tennessee can keep that going, but Golesh did a really, really good job for them, now the head coach at South Florida. And then you look at the quarterback position, the most important on the field. Joe Milton has incredible arm talent, but will he be similar to what Hendon Hooker gave them? Sure. Can he be that good? I think this system will help him. His arm talent will, but I think it is a question. Yeah, I mean, I'm torn. I think we've reached the point this offseason where it seems like Milton, I don't know, maybe this is what the algorithm is feeding me, but I, I see Milton pop up all the time. Like, I feel like he is the darling of the offseason on Twitter. And, you know, you get it. Like, the big kid, huge arm. You know, I remember when, when South Carolina was, was recruiting him a little bit. So, uh, you know, he, he's an older guy, very mature, I think, very physically mature as well, obviously. And, you know, I, I think a lot of times at quarterbacks we do let ourselves get enamored with the massive arm strength and kind of forget that there's a million other things that go into that position as far as, uh, you know, variables that are going to make you successful. However, you can't completely overlook the fact that the Hendon Hooker we saw in that Tennessee offense and what they were able to do with him was not in any way, shape, or form the Hendon Hooker we saw at Virginia Tech. You know, like they, they did a fantastic job of maximizing his skill set and ability and putting him in a place to go win. And he didn't even win the job at the beginning. So, you know, I, I'm not going to count Milton out. We'll see. I'm not completely sold. I'm, I'm certainly in wait-and-see mode. However, part of the reason we're talking about him is if you look around the SEC, there's just not quite as many proven guys as there was this time last year. Like the quarterback, the proven QBs going into last season was a, a very, very long list. This year, just not quite as extensive. Who is the best quarterback, returning quarterback in the SEC? Right now, have to be Jaden Daniels, right? It doesn't have to be. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what I think off the top of my head. So, because there's so much turnover in the entire conference this year. Well, I think there's it's an open question, right? Like, there's not now you lose some really good quarterbacks from the league, obviously, from last season Bryce Young, Hooker. Stetson Bennett, mm -hmm. Levis, Anthony Richardson, like whatever you thought, however you thought those guys should be ranked, like they all found varying levels of success, some of them tremendous success. You know, I think you can make a case for KJ Jefferson. Sure. Right? I mean, yeah. from Arkansas, like he's done some really good things. Will Rogers at Mississippi State put up huge numbers under the late Mike Leach. Mississippi State's an interesting team. We were talking about them earlier. How are they ranked too high? Well, one thing you got to consider, not only first-year head coach with Zach Arnett getting promoted, their defensive coordinator, they hired Kevin Barbet, who's got a really good you know, uh, track record. He's a, he's a young, up-and-coming offensive mind, but it's going to look different sure. you know, than, the, than the air raid. So, Will Rogers, what, what, can, what can he do? 
Spencer Rattler's probably up there. I think it's just kind of an open-ended question. Joe, Joe Milton probably in that conversation. Right. And obviously we're hoping that Spencer Rattler ends up being one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC by the end of la- uh, by the end of the season. And obviously when you look at what he did over the last couple games at the end of last year, you certainly have optimism that he can be that. When you look at his numbers as a whole in 2023, doesn't quite stack up to what some of the other ones have uh, done. But obviously we hope that momentum carries over into the start of uh, this season. Yeah, and I think uh, you know a lot, a lot of these guys that are going to be in the league this year, starters probably are completely unproven. So I, I think you'd certainly put Spencer above those guys. Where do you put Devin Leary? Yeah, in the conversation. That's a, that's a good one. I mean, there there are lots of different. I feel like uh, opinions you could give that none of them would be wrong. Yeah, as far sure. as you know where they land, and you know you certainly you feel like. Georgia, they're probably going to plug in somebody new, and it's going to be somewhat similar to what we see. Now, they have a new offense coordinator as well, and, uh, you know, I think that has the potential to, to hurt them because I think they did a fantastic job scheming last year and being a little bit more of a kind of throw-the-ball-around type team, not just run the football, not traditional. That was not a traditional Georgia offense last year by any means. So, you know, I, I think that's something to keep an eye on, but yeah, I mean, just a different conversation at quarterback. It seems like K.J. Jefferson, Chris, you mentioned it, but it seems like he gets forgotten all the time. He does. And we certainly saw what he did against South Carolina last year. And I, I think with him, though, it's been more of an idea of, or it's been more of a situation where, um, you know, if the, when they've been able to run the football and get him going in that part of the game, he's really, really tough to stop. He hasn't necessarily proven to me – or I think a lot of people that he can just drop back and throw the ball around and, and beat you up and down the field that way, the the way that maybe like, you know, a Hendon Hooker or Bryce Young or those guys were able to do last year. Right. Again, we're broadcasting live today out at Firehouse Subs, 1214 Wilson Road, out in Newberry. Coming up next, going to talk a little bit of Braves baseball as we wrap up the first hour of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 107.5, the game. We were just talking about it. What an aroma when you walk into Firehouse Subs. 1214 Wilson Road in Newberry. I smelled the bacon. I even smelled the ranch, I promise you. Turkey Bacon Ranch is the sub of the day today. $7.99 for a medium, $5.99 for a small. You can come here to 1214 Wilson Road to get it, or you can go to any of the 14 Midlands Firehouse Subs location. There's a sub of the day for every single day of the week. Check out the one closest to you at firehousesubs.com or you can do like I did. Download the app and you can earn yourself some rewards on your purchases to earn yourself some free Firehouse Subs. Again, that's the sub of the day. Today is one of our favorites here on the GC Takeover Hours, the Turkey Bacon Ranch here at Firehouse Subs. Talk a little bit of Braves coming up next. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. That was Brandy Godden on the call last night for Bally Sports as Ronald Acuna Jr. hitting a two-run homer that would help the Braves to a 4-1 victory over the Minnesota Twins out at Truist Park. 
as the Braves continue their hot streak as one of the best teams in baseball and obviously had a big weekend series with uh, taking two out of three against the Reds up there in Cincinnati and then coming home and take, picking up the win against the Twins last night. And uh, as uh, you know, we talk Braves for a couple minutes here, it's, it's a good time to be a Braves fan as we get to a, just about the halfway point of the season and things looking pretty good for them as far as uh, the NL East goes. Yeah, almost at the halfway point, like you said, which means they are tracking to win over 100 games again, which, um, you know, if you win 100 games, you are a pretty elite team, and they're actually tracking to win a few more games than that right now. So um, they've kind of – that average has been pulled up by the fact the last, like, 20 games they've won, I don't know what it is now, 17, 18 games, but very impressive. I was looking at this tweet from Hector Gomez – from last night, Ronald Acuna right now, first in the NL in runs, total bases, stolen bases, slugging, OPS, and war, and second in batting average, hits, extra base hits, uh, let's see, eighth in home runs, seventh in RBIs, tenth in walks, and fifth in on-base percentage. So having an MVP caliber, certainly first half, there's a reason he's already been uh, best vote getter for the All-Star game. And, um, man, this team, uh, you know, baseball is a sport. The best team does not always win. Sure. Um, you know, the, the series, obviously. But this certainly feels like a World Series team. They have they do a little bit of everything. The most impressive thing to me, though, is as many home runs that they have hit, and they have hit a bunch of them, they've hit – more than anybody else in the majors, they do not strike out the way they were, uh, you know, the way they did the last few seasons. Like, they have really cut down on the strikeouts, and they can beat you without the home run as well. And you're talking about home runs there, and while the focus, you know, really revolves around Ronald Acuna, Matt Olson leading... Major League Baseball in home runs. Hit a couple against the Reds over the weekend, up to 25 on the season now. And I feel like he's kind of flying under the radar despite having that number. And that goes back to just how good this offense has been this entire season. Yeah, and I think people still try to compare him to Freddie. And completely different hitter than Freddie. Freddie, much better contact hitter, much better uh, gap-to-gap hitter. But Olsen, I mean, as far as... And he doesn't even look like a power hitter. Like, he's this long, kind of leaner guy but just uh, I mean obviously is a great power hitter it's time we start talking about him as being a great power hitter and um, you know I, I guess is he's leading the NL right now I yeah. think yes. and Otani is leading the majors I think I, in that, home I runs that's correct right now they, they've actually kind of gone back and forth I think and Otani um, hit another one last night yeah Otani's in fuego right <laughs> now but yeah man they but but the entire lineup is um, is what's crazy. I mean, you got Azuna doing what he's doing right now. Michael Harris has, uh, you know, recovered from his little slump and has been um, really outstanding the last month or so. So they, they are just absolutely loaded, uh, I think, top to bottom in this lineup. And obviously when you're talking about a team as good as the Braves, you're only as good as your pitching, and Spencer Strider has been such a highlight for this team. He went through a little stretch there for a couple of games where he struggled giving up a lot of hits and a lot of runs, but back to his true form last night, seven innings pitched, only giving up three hits, one runs, and ten strikeouts. And obviously if he continues in this form, he can certainly be one of those guys in the Cy Young conversation by season's end. Yeah, he's been really good his last two. I was a little bit concerned 
concerned about him, to be honest, is uh, Velo was down. Uh, he was getting squared up a lot more than we're used to seeing. I still don't think he's – the crazy thing is he is still not quite pitched to the level we saw. Um, if you look at, like, the underlying metrics, go to, like, baseball savant and all the expected stats and stuff like that, he's been getting hit hard a little bit more than he did last year. But that just tells you what the expectations are for him, that he can go out, give up one run in seven innings, and you're still saying he could have been even better. Sure. So. You know, I think that just speaks to the tremendous, uh, just insane upside he has. And, uh, you know, these other guys, him, Bryce Elder, they've stepped up when, you know, Freed went down. Kyle Wright has uh, missed a ton of time. Great sign for the Braves, though. Freed now, uh, you know, getting in bullpen work, sort of slowly getting back to the point where he's going to come back. I think he'll be back right after the All-Star break is probably the current projection. And um, to me, that's the key, though. You put him back at the top of that rotation, and uh, this is definitely a potential World Series team if they can avoid the big injuries. And you mentioned Bryce Elder. So here's another good tweet with some stats for you. Uh, this is from Kevin McAlpin, who is a Braves uh, pregame host on 680 The Fan. So y'all remember that Pete Alonso from the team that nobody likes, the Mets, team that's currently 16 games back by yes, the way and you're robbing my stat tyler no sorry but no it's okay it's, it's actually not my stat it's kevin's <laughs> stat a little preview but remember pete alonso on june 6th <laughs> hit a homer off bryce elder and was yelling from the bullpen to throw it again well since that top of the third on june 6th kevin points out the braves have scored 133 runs over their last 18 and a half games and the mets have gone at that point, they were six and a half games back, and now, as you said, Tyler, 16 games back. So yes. Maybe, uh, maybe Bryce Elder would like Pete Alonso to yell from the, <laughs> the dugout again uh, because this sent them on a backspin, and the Braves are rolling. Things you love to see, and the Mets fell to the uh, Brewers last night up there at home. And, uh, you know, when you look at the NL East, one team to keep an eye on, it's the Marlins. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10 games, only, uh, six and a half games back right now. And a team you didn't really see uh, being much of a contender for the Braves. And obviously they still got a ways to go to eventually catch up to them. But as far as the race of the NL East goes, do you have to at least keep your eye on what the Marlins are doing right now? Yeah, you, you do. I mean, it, but gosh, it, it's, it's hard to... Like, it's kind of like Wes said, like the best team doesn't does not always necessarily win. But man, sure. if, you're, if you're handicapping it right now, I mean, certainly at the bare minimum, coming yeah. out of the NL, the Braves look like the best team, and, and as I said, I mean, has a chance to get even better. This team has not reached even what its peak could be right. for the remainder of the year. And Braves back in action later on today, taking on the Twins in Game Number Two of that series. Uh, we'll head to a break, come back, and jump into our Number Two of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hours. You're broadcasting live. From Firehouse Subs, 1214 Wilson Road, out here in Newberry, going until noon. Tyler West and Chris, right here on 1075 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark. The 2007 South Carolina class was, at that time, sixth in the country and fourth in the SEC, which is amazing. West Mitchell. You know, I think if you're South Carolina, you're you're aiming to, to at least be at 50%. Then, in theory, you're adding talent, you're getting better, you're putting yourself in a position to compete. And Tyler Head. It's been a great week for South Carolina. On the recruiting front, still certainly plenty to talk about. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. And 
Welcome back in to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on 107.5 The Game. Tyler West and Chris broadcasting live from Firehouse Subs 1214 Wilson Road out here in Newberry. Uh, store is a very happening place right now. Gamecock Larry hanging out with it. So we got some station merch. We got tickets to Carowinds. We, I believe we've already given away one of the pair of tickets to the home opener against Furman. As we did have one of our listeners come in and do the Gamecock Crow as they walked in the store. So we still have another pair of tickets to give away if you want to come in and do that. So plenty to do and talk about. We're finally enjoying some firehouse subs here this morning. So plenty is uh, going on. But, guys, I want to get back on the conversation we were having a little bit at the end of the 9 o'clock hour. We did learn yesterday that David Busey has committed to South Carolina after the official visit over the weekend. And uh, this didn't come as as much of a surprise as we kind of knew this was going to be kind of coming sooner rather than later. But, you, you know, he's listed as the linebacker coming in from Savannah Christian as a three-star prospect. But the anticipation is is that he's going to be used as a safety once he gets he, here to South Carolina in 2024. What's the development process for a guy like that to make that change going from high school to college? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a, there's obviously a process for anybody. And it's easier for some guys than others. And it's and, and sometimes, Chris, I feel like, man, it's kind of hard to even predict which guys are going to have an easy transition and which guys aren't. Like, I, there's been guys come in, I'm like, oh, this guy will definitely play early. And it, it's a process. And there's been other guys that really aren't even on the radar, and they just hit the ground, and they're just like, oh, I belong. Like, I'm, you know, even worried last year. Just you started hearing very, very early hey, this guy looks the part in workouts. And so it's it's hard to predict. I think with him, that if you're talking early playing time, special teams probably is the avenue to do that. And, um, you know, then it's kind of go from there. Now, we've talked about positions where Carolina has a bunch of upperclassmen. We've talked about positions where Carolina has some younger, um, you know, guys that are, like, already established. I look at safety. That's the spot where you have some guys who, who are established, at least right now. Now, even worry, he may be a, a three-year yeah. NFL guy, you know. So Probably more likely at this point. Yeah, you would think so. And, um, you know, so I, I think for him, special teams, like I said, are the early way to, to get on the field. But then, you know, who, who are we to say he can't come in, develop, do things the right way, and then a couple years down the road start getting into that mix at safety or, or even nickel, a spot that he plays in um, high school right now or did at seven on seven at least. He, he's played so many different spots. He's played in space. You don't always, you don't actually usually see a guy kind of go linebacker to safety. You more see guys go safety to linebacker, grow into that linebacker spot. However, he is very comfortable playing in space already. So I, I think that probably helps him as a sort of safety nickel with South Carolina. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting because it's, it's, I think you kind of carry an expectation of what he'll be able to do. You know, I don't even know, Wes, you may know, does he, does he enroll in January? Is he a summer guy? I'm not sure that we know the answer to that yet, but guys can come in and surprise you. I think there are some players that when they're signed, you immediately think, all right, it's going to be a major surprise if this guy doesn't come in and you know, make a big impact. You know, Marcus Lattimore was one of those guys. Jadavion Clowney was one of those guys. So this guy's going to come in and immediately play. 
even guys that you really like out of high school, like a Nick Eamon Roy, is probably the best example, and it's a recent example. You go, well, this guy had 200-something tackles as a senior, which is unheard of at Irmo, and he's got great physical traits, but he's a summer enrollee. Is he going to be able to make that big of an impact? But he did. So, you know, with Busey, I don't know if you carry – certainly the physical traits aren't that of like an Eamon Worry. Sure. But he has other things that you really like, and maybe that helps him jump and, in earlier. And it's so hard for somebody like that because here we are in the summer of 2023. This is somebody that at earliest would be coming in in the spring of 2024. It's so hard to project out of what your roster is going to look like with guys currently on the team yeah. or guys you might bring in in the transfer portal between now and then. So it's all kind of speculation at this point. Yeah, I – Sorry, my brain just uh, reset when you said next year was 2024. I was like, <laughs> God, it really truly is. It really is. Like, that is insane to me. But, yeah, I, I mean, it, it is hard to project. But I think, man, like we talked about earlier, a high-floor player. And what what I mean when, when you say that, you're talking about floor versus ceiling. A high-floor means very little bust potential here. You expect to get something from him. He is going to contribute in some meaningful, positive way whether that's special teams early on, whether that's growing into a starter, whether that's being, you know, a reserve player. You you have to fill out your your roster and your locker room and uh, your culture with guys who fit in like this. And I, I think that's what South Carolina has gotten and, uh, and David Busey. So to look big picture, USC on the front end of this 2024 class got several early commitments and – just about all of them, highly ranked guys. So it was your Cam Pringles, your Wendell Gregory's, Dante Reno, those types of guys, Mazio Bennett. They all jumped in early, and that led to South Carolina's class being ranked very highly, which it still is. It's still way up there. Um, and the exciting thing about it is that they still have a lot of uh, high-level guys left on the board. It's a lot of the guys that visited this weekend, Dylan Stewart, Daniel Hill, uh, Jonathan Paler. But they, they did get into that stage in the summer that was important and that it was camp season. But we're finished with that now here at the end of June. No more camp days this month. But that was the time period where you always say, okay, somebody's going to emerge. And they're probably going to get some non-big-time like commitments, some camp evaluation-type guys. Well, that, that also happened. So David Busey was a guy that the staff saw in the spring they really liked, and they got him in camp for a regular workout day, and then they saw him at 7-on-7, seven seven, end up getting a commitment from him. Fred Johnson was a camp find. Very first day of camp, June 2nd, they get him. Mason Love is a guy that you know Pete Limbo really liked, did extensive research on him. So you're able to get some of these camp evals, and in some ways, guys, I mean, th- those are just as important, especially for a team like South Carolina. You know, you're not, even as well as they're recruiting, they're not Georgia level of recruiting. They're not drafting four and five stars and kind of just taking your pick of, of different guys that everybody wants. South Con has definitely leveled up the recruiting. We see that with who they have committed, who they have targeted, that they've got a good shot with. But finding those guys that are campy vows, the players that maybe don't have giant offer lists, and hitting on those I think is really important. So that's where you go to hitting on a Fred Johnson is very important hitting on David Busey, hitting on Mason Love. We don't know that they've hit on those guys. They look like good evaluations. So I think when we look back at this class in three or four years, five years, it'll be important to look back and say that they hit on those types of guys too. So uh, we posted this, I think, after we went off the air yesterday. But I I had a feeling it was going to get some traction, and uh, it it did. But Dante Reno, who has kind of been 
uh, you know, the, the face of this class, uh, you know, a little bit. There's other guys, obviously, that have been recruiting really, really hard in this class as well. But um, he, he's almost been class spokesperson, I feel like. And uh, Reno, talking to, uh, to Mike Uva after his official visit, said the month of July is going to be huge. He went on to say it was probably the perfect OV, I'd say. I wouldn't be surprised if we go 100% with the kids who weren't committed within the next couple of months. So he's obviously talking about that those four guys. Uh, you know, you look at Dylan Stewart, look at Daniel Hill, we, David Busey now in the boat, Jonathan Paler, and we talked about this yesterday. Can South Carolina go look back and say they went four for four on this weekend? At this point, the the easiest, like the one you would project as the highest percentage, is now official official in David Busey. So. Now you look at those three highly recruited guys. Reno, and he's a positive guy. Reno seems to think they're in in a solid spot to do so. I think that matches what we've heard. I I think Carolina's kind of at the point, man, they've done about everything they can with those guys. Now it's just about those guys go make their individual decisions. And I, I think we have a feel for where things are, who the biggest competition is, and now you kind of uh, you, you've played your hand. Now you kind of see what the final um, result is, and, and that's a lot of optimism out of Dante Reno projecting that you could possibly get all four of those guys. We obviously know that UC is already committed now, but even if you only get one more of those guys out of the four to commit, that's still pretty good results overall from having them on campus this weekend. Are Gamecock fans happy with that, though? No. I think <laughs> I think if you get two more, they'll, you know, four for four is like the that's the dream. Sure. So there's going to be whichever guy in that scenario you missed on, there'll be some hand-wringing, clearly. But if you look, kind of look back on it and you said you got three of the four, somewhat yeah. happy with that? Somewhat. Well, and, and then I, I hate to give this answer. Yeah, it probably annoys some people, but it depends. All right, like, let, let, let's say you miss on Dylan Stewart. Let's say it, it turns around and, and South Carolina kind of loses the edge for Dylan Stewart. He ends up signing with, say, Ohio State, who's the other probably main program right now. Well, who do you get at edge? You yeah. Know, I mean, you, you need to – who's kind of the replacement, so to speak? And, and, I mean, it wouldn't even be a replacement. They need more than Dylan Stewart in this class. I think if you had to, like, power rank – the, the level of frustration, disappointment, however you want to classify it. Like, Daniel Hill's probably at the top. I feel like that's the guy that Gamecock fans want the most. Because Dylan Stewart is someone that has officially crossed over into, oh, maybe I, I said a swim meet last night with my kids. Somebody came up and asked about Dylan Stewart. You know, they have a chance to get that kid from D.C., Dylan Stewart. Um, <laughs> he has crossed over into that territory. But Daniel Hill is the guy, for those that really – uh, pay attention closely. You know the situation at running back. You know that this has been a guy that's named South Carolina's public leader. We know about honestly, guys, some of the some of the documented like misses at running back. You know, as of late, Braswell was a great pickup, but they need they need more given their senior laden squad, and they need to bring in a couple running backs in this class. They got one in Matt Fuller. I feel like probably Daniel Hill is the biggest like target that South Carolina fans don't want to miss on. I could be wrong, but that's my that's my we, feel for it. We need, we need an official name, though, for what Dylan Stewart is at this point as a prospect because he has entered <laughs> Nicholas Harbor territory, mm-hmm. 
Jordan Birch territory. Ryan Helensky was in this territory. Clowney, obviously, Lattimore, if you want to go all the way back. But that is everybody. You don't have to be a recruiting person. You don't have to be somebody that follows recruiting. Everybody, the fact you got people asking about Stewart at the swim meet <laughs> officially puts him. He was already there. I think we already caught that vibe. But, um, you know, that, that means he's, he's in the mainstream consciousness of I South think just Carolina. mainstream. Or like a, you hear like a crossover star, like they've crossed over into territory. You don't like mainstream? I mean, I think that's that a good descriptor, term. but I feel like we need a, we need a unique word okay. for it. Well, uh, during the commercial break, y'all can brainstorm what that unique word is. I think we're going to need way, way longer we, than that. Um, might need some people in the firehouse up Yes, we need help. So. 803 <laughs> Also, um, by the way, guys, I... I this was from way earlier, but I just got to throw it in there. And we're going to give the people the answer on the other side. Do you all know who the worst team in the country is going into this year, according to the FBI, when we were talking about the top 25 earlier? Out of just morbid curiosity, I, I wanted to see, all right, who's worse than everyone? Um, it, a little bit of a surprise because I just never think of this team. But did, do you all have does anybody know off the top of their head? Not no. off the top of my head. So we'll we'll tell each yeah. other, tell everybody on the other side. We'll touch on that coming up next. You are listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Broadcasting live at Firehouse Subs, 1214 Wilson Road, out here in Newberry, right here on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 107.5 The Game. Hey, if you want to keep your home but make it smarter, you can hit up our guys, Michael and Nathan, at Integrated Media. Any audio-visual services that you need at home, smart home solutions, complete smart home solutions, 803-948-8327 or Integrated Media Inc., that's I-N-C, integratedmediainc.com. Now, Integrated Media puts your home systems at your fingertips. You can bring your house into the modern age, and you'll be amazed by what your phone can do in controlling all sorts of devices and systems within your house in one integrated system. Everything like lighting, thermostats, sound systems, TVs, security cameras, and your alarm system. You can impress your guests, your neighbors with preset lighting things. If it's too hot or cold, adjust that from your phone at the touch of a button, even when you're not at home. Complete smart home solutions from the team at Integrated Media. If you need some inspiration photos or some examples of some things they've done for other clients in the past, Facebook or Instagram, Integrated Media Columbia. They do everything from home theater, audiovisual solution, TV installation, security, and cameras, and much more. Complete smart home solutions from Michael, Nathan, and the team at Integrated Media. IntegratedMediaInc.com or 803-948-8327. Who's at the bottom of the barrel on the football power index? Find out next. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecock. 107.5 The Game. And welcome back in to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler, Wes, and Chris broadcasting live at Firehouse Subs. In Newberry, 1214 Wilson Road, going all the way until noon. Gotten the chance to meet several great listeners already. Enjoy some delicious firehouse subs. In fact, 
Wes is still currently stuffing his face with <laughs> one of his new creations over there at the table next to us. Uh, but it's been a great morning out here at Firehouse Subs so far. We still have plenty of station merch to give away, ticket to Carowinds. believe we still have one more pair of tickets for the home opener against Furman. Again, you have to come in and do the rooster crow. If you want to get those tickets, we're not just going to hand them away. You yeah. have to meet the obligations first. This, this is easy. This this should be this should have already been done. Come in and announce that you're doing the rooster crow. Do the rooster crow. Josh Yelman will hand you a pair of tickets. We also, guys, heard shout out to our uh, friend Bill Anderson, who just came in and visited us. Um, he has a creation of his own, and it was the smokehouse beef and cheddar brisket, which is an incredible sandwich. He adds pepperoni to it. I, I gotta admit, I never even thought of that concept. I like adding pepperoni to things. That sounds awesome. So come check that out. We're gonna be here uh, until noon. But if you can't make it out while we're here, come by afterwards. They got quite the selection here at Firehouse Subs. Yeah. By the way, shout out to our friend Bill and his son yep. who um, is gonna be playing ball. We understand it. Newberry playing some football. Um, that also, by the way, Larry Chandler adds bacon. To the uh, smokehouse beef and cheddar well, bacon brisket. just makes sandwich. everything better. So <laughs> add some bacon, Absolutely. add some pepperoni, add both. I don't know, but yeah. Why not? Uh, Wes, you teased us before we went into that break. There. Oh, I guess I should get the answer. I, huh? I, 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 I can't get mine to load because I'm having some trouble with the internet. But the bottom of the barrel, as far as the FPI goes, that you said might be a little bit surprising. To you me. were trying to cheat. Oh, I was trying to see what you were. I, what I wanted to get your into. natural reaction. Well, you're I, going to get it because I, I, I couldn't get it. To I kind of want to take a guess at it. Ta- I, yeah, <sighs> it's, it's not Vanderbilt. I know we do like to. Uh, oh, know. Is a Power Five program. I wasn't going to go with Vanderbilt. Um, no, no. All right, let me think here. Um, okay, I've got a random guess. Okay. Kent State. <laughs> no. <laughs> They were actually really good on offense. Um, they they uh, they are one twenty three. I was close. That's not bad, right? Uh, I don't know, like New Mexico, maybe. No, I might just give Sounds you all the answer. Guess. Okay. This, this South Carolina play has played this team in somewhat recent memory. I don't remember when, but it uh, it, it happened. UMass. Ah, oh, yeah, they I did. Mean, that makes sense. That was a close game, actually. Like, it ended up being, like, a little bit too close um, for a while. I, my other guess was going to be Akron, just randomly. Because South Carolina played Akron that one year. And oh, it was, yeah. They, were, they, they, they were, were very bad. They are fourth worst. Wait, did one of y'all <laughs> say New Mexico? Yeah, I said New Mexico. Yeah, they are they are second All to right. last. I, I think close. they're always bad. Who's the yeah, other? It, normally, it's, uh, it's easy to assume they're going to be Eastern bad. Eastern Michigan? Eastern Illinois. Ooh. They, that was, they were that very was bad. one of the worst. Charleston Southern, two worst teams I've ever seen South Carolina play: Eastern Illinois and Charleston Southern. No disrespect, but they, those teams struggled. Um, what was the other team that saw? Oh, remember how bad Idaho used to be? Are they still terrible? Didn't they go down to FCS? I think they did. Yeah, they. they they're yes. like, I think they're the first team to ever like downgrade to FCS. <laughs> they were absolutely. They're like, we're not about this life. Yeah. Um, but am, am I just stupid? Which I may, I maybe am. Is UMass? So, how many teams are there? I because think, uh, I think uh, 133 is the official number now. Okay. Did it, they put them like? Oh, it skips over. They're, they're, they're one, so they're so bad <laughs> that they skipped 131 and 132 and went straight wow. to 133. They gave them their but own. No, none of these are. I was like, is there a tie in here? Well, none of them are tied. Isn't is James Madison? They're making the transition. Yes. So are they not counted in that? 
you ask them the wrong. And there wrong might, time. I think there's one other team that's also making the transition. I can't remember off the top of my head, so maybe they're not factored in. But they, if if they had 133 listed there, they should still be on the list. That's kind of weird. Yeah, very weird. I mentioned uh, Idaho too, and and since they have moved last year, they were seven and five at their level. Wow. So shout Good out point. Idaho, moving up in the world. Now is it Idaho or Idaho State that plays in the Kibbe Dome? That that I don't know, Tyler. Yes, <laughs> sure, both. Sure, both do. Hey, did y'all see? I'm, I'm taking this totally off track for just a second, which is fine. Uh, Tennessee baseball sophomore pitcher Chase Burns has entered the transfer portal. Y'all seen this? Been some very interesting transfer portal entries. What? What is? What is this one? The portal in baseball? It's weird. Isn't it? it seems even more weird than than football, which is saying something. Like I, um, you know, I, I think that. If, uh, you know, we see some guys in football who kind of on the surface, it doesn't make sense for them to leave. Like, they're starting. You know, you look, Carolina had had several guys that, that matched that description. You look at Marshawn, um, Jordan Birch. Baseball, it seems even stranger as far as guys are like, wait, why would this person leave? Um, you know, some of these things, especially in a sport that does not have, for a lot of guys, full scholarships, there may be some. Hey, I'm I'm gonna go out there and pursue nil opportunities because I'm not getting everything paid for. Right. You know. So, um, you know, I, I think you got to remember in baseball that not all scholarship opportunities are created remotely equal. Like there's multiple different kind of tiers to where you may be as far as what's being paid for. So, I, I don't know. Are you out nil chasing? Are there other reasons? I mean, we've certainly seen – you look at those two teams last night, man. They are heavily bolstered by the portal. Like, not just filling in blanks, like <laughs> filling in big blanks and, and really big-time spots for, for those teams. And Florida, who has uh, – what's their third baseman's name? Colby Halter, mm-hmm. who's a really good player. Well, now they're bringing in uh, the guy from Alabama. Shelton. Uh, yeah, Colby Shelton. Yep. Who – by by trade is a th- is a third baseman, but you know we'll see where all that works out. But I mean, there's a twenty something home run guy that they're plugging in next year as well. When it to go back to Chase Burns, who is you know you could make a case that he's been one of the best pitchers. If you sat here and said he was the best pitcher in the country last year, you know people might argue with you, but you right. can at least make a case for it. But uh, Tony Vitello, head coach at Tennessee. Actually spoke to uh, 99.1 John Wilkerson and Vince Ferrara. I guess this was today, and his comments are kind of interesting. I'm not sure what to make of them. He said the one you ask about is a good case of that one is pretty straightforward. We've known that he would be gone for a while. Uh, be careful about what you read on Twitter, because hmm. like I said, that one has been pretty straightforward. So I, to to me, it's not straightforward. Uh, I guess I'm out of the loop. I don't really know what that means. Sometimes, Chris, when you and I write things and we expect people to read between the lines, I feel like we think we know exactly what we wrote. And then we're like, you have to think about this from a fan perspective and give them a little more context to read between the lines. I feel like he thinks we should be able to read between the lines here, and I have no idea where the lines even are. So I don't know what the heck that means. That's interesting. Yeah. Don't know if that's, uh, you know, if he's saying it's obvious it's an NIL thing. Because, you know, Tennessee – has been very active in the portal too, and they've, yeah. they've done a good job, from my understanding, 
uh, in the, on the NIL front, too. I'm going to check out, uh, during the break, our friends over at VolQuest.com, Long 3 Network, see what they have to say about it. And I'm really glad y'all brought up the transfer portal. I pulled some sound uh, yesterday. Greg Sankey was on the Joel Klatt podcast uh, that they put out yesterday. Had a really good hour-long conversation with Joel Klatt, touching on a number of things. And one thing he talked about was some potential tweaks to the transfer portal that he would like to see. So when we come back on the other side, I want to play some of that audio and uh, get y'all's reaction to that. Again, we're broadcasting live out of Firehouse Subs, 1214 Wilson Road, out here in Newberry, going until noon. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 107.5 The Game. Guys, we've been telling everybody about gold line framing and how they can take care of you, and that is still the case. If you've got someone in your life, I've been saying graduates, but I guess we got to put that one to bed. Um, if you have not gotten a graduate in your life a gift yet, then uh, you've fallen very, very behind. But uh, maybe there's a birthday, maybe there's something special going on for a sports fan in your life. Our friends at Gold Line Framing can help you with a, a very unique, very thoughtful gift, um, whether there's a jersey, a diploma, maybe a, a custom artwork or, or an autograph that you want to get custom framed. They can handle any and all your custom framing needs. Again, that is Gold Line Framing. They're over in West Columbia, South Carolina, 511 12th Street. You can give them a call, 803-739-1337. They are open Tuesday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. And then on Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. They're also on Instagram if you want to see a view of some of their great stuff they have going on. They're always posting photos and reels. They're at Gold Line Framing SC. Again, that's at Gold Line Framing SC on Instagram. Go check them out. West Columbia, South Carolina. That is Gold Line Framing. Greg Sankey's thoughts on the transfer portal. Coming up next, Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks. 1075 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on 1075 The Game. Tyler, Wes, and Chris. Broadcasting live, 1214 Wilson Road at the Firehouse Subs in Newberry. As I just finished stuffing my face with an Italian sub during that commercial break, which is delicious, by the way. First one of those that I've had. And, uh, again, we have a great spread of Firehouse Subs out here broadcasting live until noon. Still have some station merch to give away, tickets to Carowinds, as well as another pair of tickets to South Carolina's home opener against Furman on September the 9th. But you got to come in and do the Rooster Crow. And if you check out our Instagram page, 107.5thegame, you will see the uh, one of our listeners that came in and already did that a little bit earlier on. But, guys, we continue our conversation in regards to the transfer portal. I mentioned that Greg Sankey was on the Joel Clatt podcast yesterday. Talked about a number of things. If you have the time to go and listen to it, it's an hour-long conversation that was really, really good. But one of the things that he talked about that really stuck out to me was the changes that have been made to the transfer portal as of late and some potential tweaks that Greg Sankey himself would like to see. And here is what he had to say yesterday when talking to Joel Clatt about that. Um, um, I think on the transfer issue, personally, we went from a 365-day portal to a 60-day portal. I think that football. was a great change. 45, at the, 45 days at the end of the year, of the end of the regular season, then 15 at the end of spring. So we're 
I think the portal opens up in, in now mid-April through. So we're going to have a little bit of um, discomfort is the way I like to say it. Mm-hmm. And looking back at what we learned in December and January this year, I think we shortened that 45 days. Not everyone will like that. But what you saw was when the portal opened the day after bowl placement, so every sport the day after um, postseason selection is when the portal opens, the first week or two, it's the exact behavior anticipated. Uh, a bunch of people who said, I either don't want to be here, I want more playing time, I didn't make the right choice, I want to be closer on whatever it is, raised their hand on the portal and said it's time to leave. After that two weeks, a lot of stories, anecdotal, admittedly, where you have influencers, if you will, third parties, agents, people that we don't know saying, hey, I got a deal for you if you leave. Um, that's not namers and likeness. That, that's not. That's Some a, have described it as bribery. Some have described it as inducements. Yeah. Um, that's not what it's supposed to and again, that was SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey talking on the Joel Clad podcast yesterday. A lot to unpack from what he said right there. And again, the full conversation is an hour long if you want to go listen to it on uh, Apple Podcast or the Joel Clad podcast YouTube page. But, you know, he specifically talked a little bit there about shortening that window in January where the transfer portal opens up right as soon as the season ends. And again, what with the transfer portal has changed so much over these past couple years. What are y'all's thoughts about maybe tweaking that area right after the season ends as far as uh, the, the transfer window goes? I think generally they need to tweak something, whether it is the portal window, uh, the recruiting calendar, because we've talked about this before. I mean, you think about that time period. So your high school recruiting, right, because you have uh, the December signing period for high school that was introduced for the 2018 cycle. Overall, it's a good thing to have that. I mean, I, I like having the early signing period. I'm totally fine with it. Um, most kids tend to sign then, so there's a lot of activity then. But, but look at all the different things you have um, if you're a college staff, if you're an administrator in the month of December. If you make a bowl, uh, you're, getting, you're trying to get your team ready for a bowl game. That, that shouldn't be a punishment to add that to your plate, right? So you're preparing for a bowl. Your coaches are out on the road because it's a high school recruiting contact period. So you can go out, do in-home visits with, with prospects, sometimes across the country, sometimes hours away on plane flights. Um, you can have prospects on your own campus for official visits. Um, you also have the transfer portal window. So that's a lot to juggle at once while you're also trying to prepare your current team. So I don't really know. I'm not going to pretend to have the answer of what needs to change, but something should. Now, you also need to have some type of postseason transfer portal window, right? So I'm not really sure how to solve it, but I do know it doesn't seem tenable to keep this going year after year. Yeah, you, you have to have some type of portal window. Yeah. Like the guys have to be able to transfer. I, I think the problem is there's just not there's not enough time in there to fit it into like a natural spot because guess what? We are still talking about colleges. So um, I know we lose sight of the class and academics and all this stuff, but you actually have to do it on a window that matches up with your enrollment for that semester at school so you know my first thought when i really didn't think it through at all was you know this makes no sense that guys are transferring after the regular season but before the bowls start however 
have you said, all right, we're just going to wait till all the bowls are over? How late? I mean, the bowls go into January now, like the championship does, and now we're going to a, a 12-team playoff here soon. So guess what? Most schools are actually beginning their next semester mm-hmm. by by January. So, you know, you got to give time if you're going to transfer. you got to give time for guys to go and actually maybe take a visit here or there, see what else is out there, and then make their decisions. So I kind of came away thinking there really is not a natural window that makes sense. Um, you know, for guys, like what, what, if, what if you play for a title? And you're gonna hit the transfer port. Like there's, there's not really much room there. For yeah, you, but I mean, you, you, it's like you need all these things you're talking about. I mean, it, we can't shift bowl season if you're gonna keep, especially if you're gonna keep the early signing period, which we probably should. Well, you probably need to be able to go visit kids in December. You probably need to bring kids onto your campus, and then you have the postseason transfer portal window, which makes sense. But so you kind of need all those things, but you also need something to change probably i mean i I think there's a good argument for that because it is so much um so this is a difficult thing to solve um you know going to the nil piece i'm glad i'm glad that greg sankey mentioned uh agents and and people basically floating offers for their clients things like that you see this a lot um you even see quote unquote agents who don't even represent the kids they don't have an agency agreement they're not they're not actually representing. They just purport to represent somebody, and then if they happen to get some offer, then they're talking to the kids saying, "I can do this for you. You know, come sign up for this." Greg Sankey's right. It's not nil at that point, but is is it semantics? You know, you can call it something different. Should should college athletes? I mean, maybe that's a debate to have. Should college athletes be able to do that, um, or should it just be limited to a certain type of nil deal? It's just it's just kind of hard to get this thing under control. Again, we've said it in the past because the NCAA was completely unwilling to give an inch. Greg Sankey mentioned during that same interview with Joel Klatt, basically he admitted that the national standard was if you're a college athlete, if you sign up for that, you can't engage in economic activity. Well, that doesn't seem at its heart very fair, but the NCAA didn't give an inch, and now the floodgates open, and now here we are. So... There's a lot of things that they're having to try to go back and fix after the fact, whether it's the recruiting calendar, the portal windows, NIL as a whole, and it's honestly just really hard to do it. Absolutely. We'll hit our last break, come back, and wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. We are broadcasting live 1214 Wilson Road out in Newberry for a few more minutes before turning things over to Jay and Terry for the halftime show right here on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 107.5 The Game. All across the country, drivers are reaping the rewards of safer driving with the updated Drive Safe and Save app from State Farm. has dynamic new features like interactive maps and driving tips that make the pursuit of your discount even easier. You can actually earn up to 30% discounts by downloading the Drive Safe and Save app from State Farm to get started. And to get started on it, you can call or stop by your local State Farm agent's office to help you get signed up. Now, if you're wondering who your local State Farm agent is, it's Amy Mason Cup. That's amymasoncup.com. And our office is right off of the I-26 exit of St. Andrews Road, 612 St. Andrews Road, Suite 4 in Columbia. That's in Ashland Park Plaza. Again, the website is amymasoncup.com. That's A-M-Y-M-A-S-I-N-C-U-P-P.com. Or give her a call, 
803-772-5554. When my family was looking to switch and save, we called Amy Mason Cup State Farm, and she took care of the rest. Give her a call or visit her website and ask about the Drive Safe and Save app to help you switch and save on your insurance and earn yourself uh, some discount spot with the Drive Safe and Save app. 803-772-5554. AmyMasonCup.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We'll wrap up the show at Firehouse Subs coming up next on 107 by the game. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecocks Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on 107.5 The Game. Tyler, Wes, and Chris. Wrapping things up here at Firehouse Subs. 1214 Wilson Road out here in Newberry. It's been a fun morning. Got to meet a lot of great listeners. I got to meet Gamecock Larry for the first time, so that was awesome. Giving away a lot of station merch, tickets to Carowinds, tickets to the home opener against Furman. It's been a great morning so far, and uh, I believe Wes did some sandwich experimentation as well, so uh, a lot of highlights from today out of Firehouse. Yeah, we're just adding stuff, subtracting <laughs> stuff, uh, making monster sandwiches out here. It was fantastic as always. Shout out to Larry Chandler taking care of us as always and uh, you met Gamecock Larry you also learned about the chicken curse for I the first did. time uh, that's did. actually that is a deep rooted thing in cognition why is every curse rooted somewhere in like the 1890s or the early 1900s like every single sports curse seems to originate from then I, I get I mean curses were a thing people believed in back then I guess I don't know Game got Larry gave me the full book story. Oh, he's a firm believer on, in it. Um, 1898, apparently. I mean, he gave those guys a lot of credit. Like, very powerful people that put this curse. Uh, but he did tell me how Curtis Fry's women's uh, track and field team broke the curse. Yep. But my question was just, how did the curse not stop them from then winning a title? Yeah. And uh, he said they were more powerful than the curse. <laughs> so... Well, there you have it. That's what you have to be, I that's guess. That's a powerful woman. Because so, uh, apparently, because the curse for, when did they win the title? I mean, that that was shoot, that was a while back now, but that basically meant for a hundred-something years, the curse persisted in, in stymieing not all success, but championship-level success for South Carolina. Right. And then all of a sudden, here comes... Curtis Fry and his women's track team. They must have. They must have been a powerful bunch. Absolutely. Well, what? How long was the Cubs curse on the World Series? Was it? It's over hundred years. Have to get Colin Taylor on the horn. Yeah, ask him about so. how they break that one. But eventually, you got to be stronger than the curse to overcome it, right? You do. Uh, that was two thousand two. Uh, I was thinking early. Be hundred and four years. Outdoor track and field for women's. He said 1898, right? 1898. Yeah, 104 years. Yeah. Shout out to Curtis Fry. Yeah, congrats on retirement (laughs) as well. Congrats on retirement. Thanks for breaking Breaking the curse. curse. Apparently, we need to get him on. Uh, maybe we do. We ha- yeah, let's get, get him. stories. Get, oh man, we'd have stories for days. We could do a, a long form, another long form. Get we can get him out here for an entire three hour show we next month. When we three hours, Garnet Trust Hour. Why not? Yeah, with Curtis Fry and ask him. Uh, did you believe in the chicken curse? What was your process of breaking it? Maybe, maybe he will have some answers for us. But uh, in all seriousness, appreciate Gamecock Larry coming out. Always good to hear from him and see him. And uh, he was getting on me again. Um, Apparently, uh, I got to update his subscription on Gamecock Central. So, 
they didn't re up properly. So we we hooked game we hooked Gamecock Larry up. I'll just tell everybody that. Yeah, Hook him up with a subscription. Apparently, it did not renew. So yeah, we got to take care of that. I had to get that taken care of, but I think we're all we're all squared away now. But but certainly appreciate Gamecock Larry for coming out and say hello and. Certainly appreciate everybody that come by and uh, hung out, had some sandwiches, and uh, got some station merch as well. Uh, that will do it for this uh, edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. For Wes and Chris, I'm Tyler. We've been broadcasting live out of the Firehouse Subs, 1214 Wilson Road, down in Newberry. About to turn things over to Jay and Terry for the halftime show right here on 107.5 The Game. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.